Welcome to the podcast. In case you just don't have enough to listen to here today, you can always click over to Stu Does America and subscribe there as well. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. If you haven't already, five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And it's right, whatever, for the review. It's great. Whatever. Fantastic. Uh, today on the podcast, we have uh, Glenn's interaction with thousands of buffalo. <laughs> Quite an interesting story from Glenn on that one. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Robert Malone back on the program with us. He's a doctor, one of the inventors of the original uh, mRNA vaccine technology to explain to us uh, his concerns and what's, uh, what he thinks is uh, promising about vaccines and where we're going from here. Uh, he's a voice you're not uh, he's getting ban- banned all over the Internet. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, you know, if you're actually able to get this podcast today. And today is your last day to opt out of a very new government benefit. 100% beneficial, no problems whatsoever. But today is the last day to opt out of it. You're already getting it, unless you opt out. A brand new way to, to uh, deal with taxes and uh, tax credits. Uh, fantastic news, and certainly not at all an indoctrination for universal basic income. Here's the podcast. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Joined by the one and only Mr. Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, the outrageously funny and provocative, if I may say, usually because he's wearing something low cut. Yeah, Uh, it is. uh, It is uh, Pat Gray. Mm -hmm. Welcome, Pat. Uh, Thank you, Glenn. Good to be here. Um, I'm very excited. I have some uh, I have some. Crazy stories I would just like you to comment on. Okay. Um, the Olympic hammer thrower, mm. uh, Gwen Berry, turns mm. her back to the U.S. flag uh, during the ceremonies where she got bronze, and uh, mm. uh, they started playing the national anthem, and she turned her back on it. She was very upset. She said that she felt that was a setup for her. Yeah, because when was the last time they played the national anthem at a sporting event? I mean, <laughs> never. Come on. Ne- I've never seen it. He just did that to her. Uh, it's yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. See, this is the part that I think everybody is focusing on. I I just would like to focus just for a second on hammer throwing is a sport. <laughs> yeah, it's not a real hammer. You know, that, hammer right? throwing. It's not an actual hammer. Hmm? You know that, right? It's not not a hammer. It's, no. I, yeah, but it's, it's just not what a hammer. What is it? <laughs> well, it's a oh, what is it? It's a ball on a chain. Yeah, right? it's like kind of like a ball on a really long thing that they swing around their head <laughs> yeah. and then they throw it a good distance down the field. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's but it's not okay. A hammer. Okay, so then let me let me let me rephrase. <laughs> a ball and chain throwing thing <laughs> is a sport. Yes. Yes, been around for a while, ridiculous. I will say. It has. It's not it's been exactly. around for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it does. It's, a long it's, time. It's, it sounds like maybe medieval times, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to see that, you get a dinner with it for like, I don't know, 25 bucks at medieval times. 25 it's bucks? It's not a sport. <laughs> what? What downstream <laughs> medieval times are you going to? <laughs> How much are those things? Oh, a lot. Uh, let's see. I took... Like four people there once so a couple of years ago for about a hundred and seventy five bucks. So yeah. what is that? Uh, you know, it's probably about fifty bucks wow. a piece almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I will tell you that uh, it's been a while since uh, my kids were like, 
I want to go to medieval times yeah. because the prince will throw a flower at me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Also, I'll I will throw point a flower out, at you. a hammer throw. What, what, what is this bronze? This is the United States of America. Bronze mm-hmm. in the hammer throw? I, I expect gold. We right. should be turning the flag away from her. <laughs> well... It's not the Olympics yet. Wow. So this was a, an American competition, and uh, all Americans meddled. All that meddled were Americans. However, <laughs> I'm going to be rooting against her come the Olympics, that's for sure. I, how embarrassing would it be if she got up on the podium during the Olympics, turned her back on the, on the American oh, it, flag? Oh, and she'll do it. Oh, she will do it. She's going to do it for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, going to happen. Yeah. All right. Um, next story, team. I'd like to hear your comments. <laughs> the next bats. story, I'd like to hear your comment mm-hmm. on is uh, downtown Springfield. A crowd of people gathered uh, for the "Birds Each Aren't fist. Real" rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh huh. Mm-hmm. I was surprised how mm-hmm. many people showed up for the "Birds Aren't Real" rally. There's there was quite a crowd there. Mm-hmm. They were having some fun. So I'm not. Sh- Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it sounds almost like a rally. I know nothing about it, but it sounds like a rally that my son and I would go to, you know, because Mm -hmm. we've often talked about how they are. They're clearly robotic. That's why they're sitting on the power lines. They're recharging. Right. That's what's happening there. Exactly. It's the birds aren't real. Mm -hmm. Uh, It actually sounds kind of fun, but I'll bet it has some political meaning uh, behind it. Am I wrong on that, or you know? mm, I, I think it has a sarcastic meaning behind it. Uh, I mean, they claim that. Okay, well, no, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. They claim they're there for surveillance. All 12 billion birds <laughs> are really just surveillance devices, and I think there might be some tongue-in-cheekness there going on. So, yeah. Whoa, they're not serious. No, that birds aren't real. No, that holy I don't think cow. They are. Okay, well, I'm off that bandwagon. Um, by the way. Pat, I just wanted to let you know today mm-hmm. that a trans-feminist activist has come out to say that gendering animals is very wrong. It's very wrong. Um, <laughs> so you could get milk equally from so, a cow as you could a bull? Uh, just be as easy as... Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, well, uh-huh. it's not. You couldn't get it as easily. It's harder to it's milk harder. a bull. Yeah, right. Um, but, <laughs> but, but go, go but for it. I invite her to try it uh, <laughs> and, uh, and have a big swig of that. Um, and then in the craziest story of the weekend, Mitt Romney said, I take Joe Biden at his word when it comes to his budget proposals. I think actually Romney mm. may uh, may not be real. Uh, he may just be a surveillance <laughs> vehicle of some sort. I I, I don't um, I don't get it with him. Why 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 is he okay with everything the Democrats do? Why is he okay with the psychotic Democrats? But the Republicans, he's got to take issue with all the time. He has to bash and bring them down. But Joe Biden, let's take him at his word. Based on what? Based on what? The guy lies continually. He's uh, he's out to lunch and he's not coming home for dinner. He uh, has <laughs> serious, serious degeneration problems. Uh, and and this is the guy you're going to take at your word? Wow. I mean, Mitt Romney should be impeached. 
<laughs> I, I'll, I'll say too that like I think you can take Mitt Rom- uh, Joe Biden at his word when he says, "If I don't get this multiple, you know, three to five trillion dollar extra bill, I'm not going to sign this bipartisan thing." That's what he blurted out. Mm-hmm. Then he had to walk that back in a blatant lie. I mean, he's, he's obviously lying when he's walking it right. back. He said the opposite in front of everyone when he was having to please the progressives. And so he's blatantly lying in the walk back. Taking him at his word it makes sense when, when he blurts out something off the top of his head, uh, admitting no. the truth. Mm. But that's not what Romney means. Yeah, he means the opposite. Romney means he means believe the, the walk back. Who believes yeah. the walk back? Yeah. <laughs> that's the you know when unreal. when a when a politician says that the the uh, crime surge uh, is all about guns and not about BLM, not about the lawlessness in this country. Um, but it's but it's really because there are more guns on the street and then mm. says also the Republicans were the ones that wanted to defund the police. <laughs> How do you take that man seriously? How do you take him at his word? If you're willing to say crazy, crazy stuff that the vast I would hope I can't even say this anymore, that a lot of people in this country know is false. They know mm-hmm. that that is false. That's like that's like Biden saying, you know what? <laughs> it was George Washington that ran up all these bills. I mean, it wasn't me. I'll tell you that right now. And expecting people to believe it. They just they are so insulting the way they talk to minorities, the way they talk mm-hmm. about minorities. They are. It's so insulting. It's so insulting when they just. They expect you to sit quietly with all of these lies. I, I just don't. I, I don't know why people aren't uh, aren't more. Th- th- I'm surprised that he has a 45 percent approval rating. Oh, it's higher. You know, Donald Trump. Yeah. You could say mm, it's higher you, than that. It's you could 50s. say Donald Tr- Trump. Is, was it? Is it really? Yeah, like 52, 54, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. You could say that Donald Trump was, you know, a a liar. You could say that he was P.T. Barnum, which he was. Uh, he said things that, you know, he really thought was true. He convinced mm-hmm. himself of these things. And, you know, some of them were not true. Okay, I got it. But we knew that one going in. We knew that mm-hmm. going in. This guy has changed everything. Everything he said he was, oh, I'm a moderate. I'm not going to comment on that. I'm not going to do those things. He's now doing them. Right. And it's I don't so. Know. I think I'd rather have P.T. Barnum. It, it's, it's, oh, for, for sure. And it, it's so bad that even uh, PolitiFact fact checked him on his, yes. uh, on his uh, speech last week about guns. And they said what we all said, that it's a total lie that the Second Amendment from the very beginning limited uh, the guns and the weapons we could use. Even PolitiFact said that's an outright lie. It's, it's false. It's malarkey, to coin a phrase from Joe himself. And, and that, it takes a lot for PolitiFact to fact check Joe Biden. Uh, so, so, wait a minute. You could... You could own a cannon? Yes, you could. 
Actually, yes. The privateers Whoa. owned cannons uh, who were private citizens, huh. thus privateers. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, the good thing is you can't own a tank today. Oh, no, wait. You can own a tank today. You can actually buy a tank. You can buy a U.S. tank. Now, it's not going to have like the firing, the big tank firing pin in it, but you can own a tank today. I, and you could have a cannon back then. I want a, I want a tank. Yeah, why don't I have that a tank? It would really be cool. That's I, the thing that's bothering me about this yeah. whole conversation. Where do I buy a so tank? So there's a guy here in Texas that has a tank uh, that a <laughs> friend of a friend knows. And uh, yeah, of course it's in Texas. But he said um, that this guy bought his tank and <laughs> it made some of his liberal neighbors mad. And so he parked it on his front lawn. <laughs> just to I love that. Make sure that they knew he had a tank. That says Texas. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for Texas. This does. Oh, by the way, um, the uh, I mean, this is the Greg Abbott we elected. Did you see what happened over the weekend? I don't think so. Oh, he said, you remember, he was on the air with us a couple of weeks ago and said, I'm not paying the Democrats. The Democrats didn't show up for work. Oh, yeah. I'm docking their yeah. salary. They're not yeah, going to yeah. get paid. He went through with it. That's good. He's not. He docked so the pay of any Democrat or any Republican, but there were none. Anybody who didn't show up for the sessions, he's not paying. And they're all upset. Now, that's oh the Greg Abbott so we, we came to know and love, right? Uh -huh. He's yes, back. yes, thank you. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Dr. Robert Malone, I could go on and on and on about all of the things that he has done. Let's just say mm, expert uh is is really underselling this man he is the inventor of the mrna vaccine technology dr robert malone uh joins us again and i want to get into uh the censorship but there's a couple of new stories that are out today the fda has added a warning to covid19 mnra vaccines uh or rna vaccines um, can you tell me about this? They're talking about enlargement of the heart. Welcome, doctor. Thanks, Glenn, and thanks for having me back and uh, for the opportunity to talk with you and, and your audience. Sure. I, I'm really grateful for that. So thank you. Um, what, what's been buried in the data, and I think we might have touched on this the other day, we, we have a body of safety data that are coming into the CDC and coming into other databases, safety databases in other governments. And frankly, the, the analysis of that has been lagging quite a bit. So things that we had signals about months ago now are finally being verified and the whole kind of cascade of how the government reacts has been triggered. As you know, the CDC came out with the ACIP meeting and uh, acknowledged that there is a problem with uh, cardiotoxicity, so toxicity of the heart, in uh, young people, children, adolescents. And uh, that has now triggered, uh, finally, the FDA to acknowledge that. 
This is with the RNA vaccines that are genetic. That comes on top of the prior reports and acknowledgement that the adenovirus vectored vaccines, related technology, both based on gene therapy, were causing blood clots. I suspect that you're going to have a similar announcement sometime from FDA and CDC about the risks associated with blood clotting with the RNA vaccines. What I find really fascinating about this is that I got fact-checked by Thomson Reuters and by PolitiFact, um, and the FDA put out a press announcement that there was no evidence of clinical toxicity associated with these mRNA vaccines. At the time they did it, I knew that that was not true because I have the connections within the FDA. And it's, there's, there is a, somewhat of a satisfaction that perhaps it's a little twisted to have the FDA finally <laughs> fessing up that, in fact, I was right. Um, I don't take pleasure in that. Uh, absolutely. But my core point, and thank you for letting me put it out, is that the government isn't being fully transparent with us regarding the risks. I'm not saying that you shouldn't take vaccine or it doesn't save lives. I'm saying that I, I, these are currently experimental and the government owes us to be transparent about the risks. Over. I want to I repeat or have you repeat what you said on Friday because I thought it was, I think this is really important. You're the guy who invented this technology, so you're clearly not anti-vaccine, and you're not even anti-this vaccine. What you're saying is, you know, hey, the little blue pill can cause, uh, you know, something to go on for three hours, and, uh, you know, if that happens to you, you should go see the hospital. Um, we know that because... All of the things, you know, you can die of a heart attack. You can die of this and die of that. And they sound scary as hell on the commercials. But that, those are low risk for a few people. And you should know that it could happen. That's all you're asking for. You're not saying don't take the vaccine. You're saying we should just have some transparency so we know what possible effects are happening. Thank you, and thanks for saying that. We can dive a little deeper underneath that if, if you have time, but uh, absolutely, it's actually federal law. These remain experimental vaccines, whatever spin you may hear from the media, they're not yet licensed, and therefore, all of us that are taking it fall under what's called the common rule that's coded in federal law that goes all the way back to the Helsinki Accords, etc., the fundamental bedrock of bioethics. And that requires that people, those, those rules that are in federal law require that there be transparency about risks, that those risks have to be understood by anybody that's going to take an experimental product and that that taking of an experimental product like this vaccine, accepting vaccine has to be entirely voluntary. It can't be coerced. They can't incentivize you. These are our, are breaking federal law and fundamental principles of bioethics. So you said a minute ago, you take a little satisfaction and, um, you know, back in 20, I don't know, 11, 2000, 2010, maybe, um, I was beating the drum that everybody was missing that a caliphate was coming. And that's what was really going on in Syria and, and with the Arab Spring, that a caliphate uh -huh. wanted to be formed and it was coming. 
And I got mocked and ridiculed and you name it from all sides. And when the caliphate came, sadly, I took a little satisfaction of being right, but I didn't want to be right. But the problem was um, that I really didn't have any satisfaction because no one admitted that they were wrong before. And so nothing was learned. They just went on. Amen. And that's kind of what Amen. I think is happening with you, right? Dead on. And, and Glenn, please, uh, for your audience, this is not my first outbreak. I've been doing this my whole life, uh, starting with AIDS. I was very involved in the Ebola, uh, what's now the Merck vaccine development in Zika, etc. This, okay. For me, being at the tip of the spear is kind of what I do. I'm a little bit of an outbreak junkie, even. Um, I, I work uh, a lot supporting the DOD and biodefense and have ever since the anthrax attacks. I, I, I get this space. I know how things go wrong. What is a little bit surprising to me and many of my peers that are insiders like this is we just don't seem to be learning we, as a system, as a country, um, as a public health service, as, as and the WHO. I've spoken at the WHO multiple times, been there many times. I know what makes that place tick, good, bad, and ugly. But um, we just don't seem to be learning the lessons each time. We repeat them again and again. So why? Why is this? What's changed? I, I don't know. One of the things that's different, there are some things that my colleagues and I talk about with this outbreak uh, and we're perplexed about that are very different. One of them is the censorship. That's, that's quite different. Um, and we, the, the censorship extends all the way down into the academic literature. It's wicked hard to, for instance, publish anything that has to do with drug repurposing. So just to, to get on a thread that your listenership probably is familiar with <clears throat> in the ivermectin story. Uh, and I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that ivermectin appears to have prophylactic and therapeutic activity, but it's not a silver bullet. So I'm not one of the uh, swallowed the Kool-Aid crowd on ivermectin, but right. uh, mm -hmm. there's no question in my mind that this argument that, all of these ivermectin studies haven't been peer-reviewed and published, therefore they have no value. Uh, that's spurious. That's, that is not a valid argument because for whatever reason, it has become wicked hard to, to get through peer review and publish anything involving a repurposed drug. And as Brett Weinstein put out in that Dark Horse podcast that's just gone crazy viral, <clears throat> towards the end, if you listen to him, uh, there's some sort of emergent phenomena going here that is is hard. It's hard to wrap your arms around. And his his comment was, this whole systemic breakdown doesn't necessarily require some central conspiracy where everybody got together at you know the White House or whatever and and, mm -hmm. and cooked the books for everybody. It's it's a series of, of compromises and arrangements we've made. And one of them that I find particularly shocking is this trusted news initiative. I'm sure it was set up in the best of intentions, but it has become uh, Orwellian in the extreme. I, I, I can't, oh, as I time. read it and it, I experience so, it, I can't believe it. 
So explain what is going on. First, let me give you the new news. I don't know if you have heard this yet. Congressman Thomas Massey um, uh, has has just revealed Facebook's so-called third party fact checker, factcheck.org, is funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And they have $2 billion of stock in Johnson and Johnson. And so factcheck.org doesn't want to do anything that's going to hurt their funding as they have $2 billion in stock from Johnson and Johnson that helps fund them. Uh, That seems like maybe uh, a problem when they're fact checking on Johnson and Johnson products. Am I wrong? Uh, it, it, this is another one of those looks like a duck. It walks like a duck and it quacks like, a yeah, duck. uh, I would call that right. journalistic conflict of interest. And this, uh, this business about, uh, the CEO of, of uh, Reuters, uh, sitting on the board of Pfizer is another one. Um, and so yeah. I'm, I, I just pulled that up this morning. Uh, thanks to my wife, pulled it out and uh, posted it on Twitter. And I'm getting blasted with people saying, of course, this is a conflict of interest. And it explains why Reuters is running all these hit pieces against J&J and AstraZeneca. That the capture here that mm-hmm. has happened, this fusion between mainstream media and pharmaceutical industry blows my mind. I mean, we already have this fusion between the pharmaceutical industry and Congress. Uh, and we have the regulatory capture of the FDA. And like I said, a lot of us, you know, my peers, uh, you know, so-called experts, right? Those of us that do this for a living have just been scratching our heads going, what is going on with all this censorship? And I don't want to go down the, you know, 4chan QAnon world, but good for you good for you you're way out on the edge on that one (laughs) i'm with you i'm with you they're they're proud of this stuff they're they're touting that and and here's the origin of this it's bizarre trusted news initiative it was set up initially to counter disinformation political disinformation and uh a year ago they decided well, let's now that we've got all ourselves together, let's turn it on censoring any information that we determine to be disinformation relating to COVID and COVID vaccines. So they have no, no qualms about censoring me, um, censoring other scientists, censoring patients. You know, the, the 200,000 patients that had a, a, a group on Facebook sharing their stories about their own adverse events Facebook just kills that, you know, drops them off, deletes it. Uh, this is the, this is, you know, I, I read 1984 as a school kid, and, and then it was science fiction. This is pretty mm-hmm. overt. Have you, have you read 1984 lately? No, um, I, I got it drilled you, into me, honestly, in fourth grade or something. <laughs> Uh, So same with me. And I thought I remembered it all. You should read it. It is astounding how accurate it is today. I mean, astounding. Like I read, I reread it about a year ago and it was crazy. That, that was Orwell's response to what he saw in fascist authoritarianism. Okay. That, that was, that was what he was writing from was a warning to the future saying this, this can happen. 
I'll tell you the people that, that I run into now because I, this Brett Weinstein podcast went viral globally. I'm getting a lot of traffic from Europeans and, uh, they're really alarmed. These are people that are very sensitive to what happened in Europe in the 1940s. Uh, intellectuals mm-hmm. that think deep thoughts about this stuff. And, you know, they, the, the term slippery slope is often used. We're there. This, this is not okay. We've got organizations that are cross-linked between mainstream media and, uh, and the pharmaceutical industry and, uh, public health organizations that uh, seem to feel that it's okay to substitute opinion for fact. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Excuse me. A report that was just issued from the National Archives. Now, the report came from the National Archives Task Force. When I say task force, Stu, what kind of comes to your? It's a task force. Hmm. I mean, like almost like a military operation. You know, swooping in. Yeah, military operation. Yeah. They're grappling into the National Archives. Well, they've got their own task force going on. Hey, do we have that CNN race music? Do you remember that, Sarah? That might be kind of a task forcey kind of uh, music. CNN said at one point they've got a CNN uh, uh, race team that's going to be out there like a task force. (laughs) And the race team's going to be out there and they're going to jump into action. Yeah. So here it is, the National Archives Task Force on Racism. Well, they just issued their first report, and you will never guess what they said. It's crazy. They say where America's founding documents are displayed in the National Archives was really an example of structural racism. Well, this race team is great. They suggested major changes on how the Constitution and other notable records are presented in order to provide context. Now, if I remember the uh, National Archives, and I do very well, uh, you walk in and it's a big limestone building, big pillars and everything else. There's a flag to one side. Uh, there's a flag on the side of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence. And here's how here's how racist this is. They have when you walk in, they have this big gate that says, oh, this is important. Then you walk past that gate and up these stairs and they're hanging on the wall in in a in really what is can only be described as an amazing vault behind all this bomb proof glass is the constitution and the declaration of independence and when i say it's a vault i say that because it can take a ground zero missile hit and within a fraction of a second it drops down and is sealed in a vault so nothing can ever happen to it (laughs) structural racism you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying 
do they do they do that uh for you know the the bullhorn of al sharpton because that is also an american icon that should be preserved no just our founding documents now they also pointed out the fact and i forgot about this they have a giant mural up on the wall they have two of them one is for all of the signers of the declaration of independence and the other one is for all the signers of the constitution and they didn't include any of the black signers well, i mean there weren't there weren't any but can't we throw a few black people in there that is oppressive when you see the actual faces of these monsters, all of them white, without anyone in the archive saying, hey, let's let's sprinkle in some black people, maybe a couple of Hispanics. How about a Chinese guy? Maybe maybe the Chinese guy can be right next to George Washington. Can we not reimagine history a little bit? So they said also in the uh, National Archive, you got to be ready for this, Sarah, the National Archives Race Task Force. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they also said that the National Archives portrays the individual founding fathers in a much too positive way. Oh, my gosh. You know... Can I tell you something about Ben Franklin? He was fat. He's a fat, fat, fatty. And I think our National Archives need to... Yeah, 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 I know. He was one of the, you know, real leaders of the abolitionist movement, but he was fat. Fat, fat, fat. Fat, fat Ben. Ben's a big, fat, fatty. That's what should be in the National Archives. The group claimed... In a little noticed report, I noticed it, to the U.S. top librarian that the archives own rotunda, which houses the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, is an example of structural racism and that the founding fathers and other white, historic, impactful Americans are portrayed to positively the National Archives Race Task Force. Also said that the legacy descriptions that use racial slurs and harmful language to describe people of color in communities are like racial slurs, but also they use terms like elderly and handicapped and illegal alien. So as bad as this is, I don't know if we're going to be able to. I mean, those frescoes, they're in there. I mean, we got to dynamite those things out. Um, because think of the stop with your white privilege. Think of the pain that that is causing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. It's the truth. But whose truth? Really? A bunch of white people? <laughs> they were the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, and that did good. Right. Thanks, Whitey. Anyway, uh, a lot of people of color uh, come through that rotunda. And so the task force uh, would like to have the National Archives put into context these documents. 
and their their suggestions are that perhaps we can provide context uh, of these documents in the rotunda uh, through dance and performance art in the space. So you might go there and you're like, I just want to see the Declaration of Independence. No, no, no. Maybe you should see some interpretive dance routine uh, that will, quote, invite dialogue about the ways that the United States has mythologized the uh, founding era. Uh, we, why? First of all, you know me, Stu, and I think you can verify if there is anybody that is bigger in the interpretive dance world uh, than me. I mean, mm. name them. Well, I am a huge advocate of interpretive dance. You are. And that's why, of course, you were named the number three overall advocate of interpreted dance uh, in interpretive dance magazine. Uh, that being said, well, I was, would, uh, that, that was politics that kept me they kept me out of number one. That was a political thing with the magazine. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I was in Auschwitz and I was standing there. I was standing in the shower room and I said, you know, what would bring this home? No. Interpretive dance. Really? And uh, hmm? that was what. See, are you one of those people that thinks that would be offensive? Yeah. A tad, you don't get yeah. the interpretive dance. Yeah, a tad. Yeah, well, probably you would say more offensive than the interpretive dance in front of, you know, the uh, the founding documents. And the interpretive dance is basically because, see, you know, I saw Auschwitz and I thought it's being portrayed. The Germans are being portrayed in a very negative way. And if we could just have some interpretive dance about the good soldiers that were there. Mm, I don't Can we think balance we should do that, that out a bit. <laughs> no, you don't I, think so. Under no circumstances so. should okay. that be balanced out. All right. <clears throat> Strangely, the number three guy for interpretive dance agrees with you. <laughs> Whoa. Bad idea. Yeah. Bad idea. Mm. Now, um, I guess we could reinvent history and we could say, Geez, some of those soldiers, you know, that were working in the camps, they weren't so bad. Or we could also reimagine history and say, you know, uh, there were a lot of Hispanics that signed the Declaration of Independence. So I'm just going to put them into that portrait. That doesn't mean that only white people could come up with it. It just means that at the time, it was white people that did do it. And that you can talk about all of the bad things that you want that have come from the signing of the Declaration of Independence. But nothing will ever get me to believe, no dance, believe it or not, no interpretive dance, will convince me that the United States of America, the signing of the Declaration of Independence, has done more to keep people slaves or to keep people <clears throat> to keep people under the thumb and not bring more freedom and more good to the world than bad. Now, lately, you could make that case. Lately, we are when France 
when, let me say this again. When France says, the French president says, don't buy into any of the crap that is coming out of of Washington and the United States. Don't buy into all of this crap. When France takes a stand that is correct about us, the world's upside down. World's upside down. <laughs> well, it's just like you to say the world's upside down. That's because you've been looking at it with North America at the top. How do we know what the top is and what the bottom is it's a three-dimensional space we don't know what the top of the universe is and the bottom of the universe you talk about the world upside down it's you white people and you you north american people and you europeans that made all the globes oh dear god i i will say glenn i mean it's a good point but it would probably be made better with interpretive dance and i assume you'll be doing that later on your instagram page or something from the ranch uh oh don't tempt me because <laughs> i just might don't that, tempt me that sentence was specifically is, designed to tempt you <laughs> yeah this is this this should bother people deeply these documents i believe are sacred documents these documents have are the the key to end slavery they are the key that's not me saying that that's frederick frickin douglas that said that what did martin luther king quote in his i dream of uh, I, I i have a dream speech he challenged us to live up to the words that he quoted in the Declaration of Independence. Live up to those words. The problem is not those documents or those men. The problem is we don't read those documents anymore. We're not even trying to live those documents anymore. We haven't tried for at least a 100 years. And every time we make a mistake, it's because we go off these documents. Oh, the Trail of Tears. Yeah, yeah. Why was that wrong? Because you were taking property, you were taking it, you were breaking your own word and breaking promises, you were treating one group of people like they're not all men. I don't know. Maybe we should start living those words and understanding those words, because that will make us a more perfect nation. Not doing some stupid freaking dance. And I got to tell you, it's a good thing that the Declaration of Independence and all those documents are behind bomb-proof uh, glass. Because if I walk into the National Archives and I see interpretive dance telling me how bad it is, my head will explode. And all of those documents, they'll have pieces of Glen head on them. So please, National Archives... Please keep them safe because I have a feeling I'm not the only one whose head would pop if I see interpretive dance in front of those documents. Na, 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 na.